It's a film with three brains. 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 To some, it was the fulfillment of a dream. To others, it was an instrument of destruction. A creation that could change the course of history. It was stolen from my factory. Where's the package? This is the FBI! What do we tell the president? Tell me exactly why this merchandise is so important to the feds. It's a rocket. A rocket? What? What's the matter? I don't know. There's something under the seat. Oh, my. What are we doing here? What are you supposed to do? Is it a bomb or something? No. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. Are you trying to kill yourself? I like it. Uh-oh. We got company. You steer, I'll push. For what? I want that rocket, Eddie. Not next week, not tomorrow. Now. Keep your eyes open for this dame. Jenny's in trouble. <laughs> They're working for a Nazi agent. With an army equipped with these, you could rule the world. Cliff! You touch one hair on her head, I swear out. <laughs> Shoot him! We've got the girl. The rocket will come to us. I love her, Peeve. Does she know that? She's gonna find out. Let him have it! The Rocketeer. <laughs> Get him, kid. Hello. Welcome to the film with three brains. I am Cohen in Maplewood, New Jersey. And I am Sean in Chicago. And Sam in San Francisco. Uh, the film we will be discussing this episode is called The Rocketeer. And <laughs> Sorry. An adventure film from 1991 starring Billy Campbell uh and alan arkin and jennifer connelly amongst a few other people uh i would call it uh sort of elements of steampunk definitely an adventure uh you know about a guy in the what was it 1930 something 38 i think is it? yep 38. 38 uh a test pilot who finds a experimental jet pack uh that is being hunted down by mobsters and Nazis, of course, as they tend to do. Uh, I haven't seen it in many years. I saw it, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater. I'm pretty sure I saw it in video when it came out, and I've seen it once or twice since. I don't know but, why you've seen it that many times. <laughs> what do you mean? Is this, is this like... Well, he's always of... liked it, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure if he likes it right now, but he definitely I do. I have always liked it, and I still do. Hmm... We may have a little conflict on this episode. No, I'm always right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, all right. So, opinions, thoughts, go. I have not seen it since I saw it when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And I think when it first came out, I thought, oh, it was amusing or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this time, I was like, I don't know who they're making this movie for. Like, if, I'm mm-hmm. hoping it was ten year olds. Well, sure. Because that that seems like the best option. Because a lot of it feels like a Scooby Doo episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really like Scooby Doo, but <laughs> it didn't. I don't know. It just. I do not like Scooby Doo. Maybe that's why I like this. 
Let's see, uh, I guess okay. that is an issue. We'll never review Scooby Doo either. Mm. There's Scooby Doo movies we could do. Yeah, right? yeah that's a little bit of a stretch. But I might have to do it one of these times just to tick you off. Yeah, do any of them fit in our timeline? No, probably not. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be some late 70s, right? When was like the Harlem Globetrotter? Oh, that's just yeah. Maybe that one would. I don't know. We gotta I gotta look that up. That's a good question because I'm thinking of like Don McLean and Phyllis Diller and Don Knotts, and I think those are all earlier. <laughs> pretty impressive. I know who all the guest stars <laughs> were. That was Laurel pretty and good. Hardy. Yeah, just <laughs> <them off>. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. I've watched them <laughs> a lot. A lot. <laughs> all right. Um, so you've only seen it a couple of times. Sam? That was, this was it. This was number two. Yeah, me too. I did not see in the theater. I saw it on video. I remember Cohen being excited about it for some reason. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I was hoping that I would get, (laughs) I was hoping that the stuff I didn't remember would stand out, but none of this, none of it. And I mean, None of it stood out. No, not none of it stood out. But I mean, the stuff that I was missing early as being younger um, didn't like wasn't enhanced. You know, like to know who Howard Hughes is, or to uh, you know, kind of recognize that this. I think I kind of knew they were basing on Errol Flynn. Um, I don't know, just the swashbuckling stuff, and he's in a sure the Timothy Dalton character, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of obvious, but. I thought there were like the subtext in that, like the, the the backstory might be better being older, but I didn't think so. <laughs> it it is not a it is far from a perfect movie for sure, but I I enjoy it for its flaws for despite its flaws, and I I enjoy I think a primary reason I enjoy it really is for how much better it is in my mind. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like I'm watching it going, this could be like the best movie ever made. This could be like Raiders of the Lost Ark good. You know, it has this, could be, this could be, this could be back yeah. to the future. Good. The, you know, it has the potential to be like a virtually flawless popcorn film. And it's not, obviously it's not, but the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, God damn, this could be great. <laughs> you know, this could really be so much fun. A fucking guy in 1938 flying around with a jetpack fighting Nazis. I mean, it's fucking cool. There's a severe drought of like fun adventure films in 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 the vein of Indiana Jones, but also in the vein of like Robin Hood or even even the um uh the Lone Ranger movie that came out a few years ago with Army Hammer and, and Johnny Depp. You know, like the the, the the movie, the, the 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 thing that I like about, um, you know, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, the one with Kevin Costner, is the scenes where he like grabs a rope, you know, cuts it off, and the bell falls, and he it pulls him to the top, and he escapes. You know, scenes like that, shit like that, or Indiana <laughs> Jones when he's running along and he, he has his whip and he and he flicks, with, you know, and he swings and shit. So you know, scenes like that in an adventure film are so few and far between, and when it's done, it's usually done poorly. And so watching this, I'm like, my God, there's there's such potential. <laughs> yeah. And so even I, though I know it's flawed, deeply flawed, and it doesn't really live up to its potential, I still enjoy it because it just kickstarts my imagination in a crazy great way. So it sounds like your imagination is kickstarted the same way George Lucas credits his imagination. Yeah, I guess. 
right? Sure. That you like the the 1950s sort of action. I uh, do. I do, but I prefer if it's done better. Like the, you know, the, the scenes in the Rocketeer I like are not very well done, mm-hmm. which is surprising because Joe Johnston, um, the director, he's done, he did Captain America, the first, the first Avenger, which I really like a lot. And it's a lot of fun. And it's sort of, I feel like it sort of corrects a lot of the things he did wrong with this. Yeah. I can see similarities. Um, you know, the time frame is very similar. Uh, you, you know, sort of the, the conflict is very similar. You know, the Rocketeer is very much a comic book movie before comic book movies were really a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, That's funny. You should go ahead. Go, no, no, I'm, I'm well, basically done with that thought. It's just funny that you bring up Robin Hood because when this opened at the box office, it was number four. And one of the movies it's behind is Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. And I think that Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and Indiana Jones, I think the difference is that they are in this earlier time, but they try to be modern. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know this is by design. I know that Joe, what's his name? Uh, Johnston. Uh, sorry, and the other guy, uh, the creator. Pete? No. Sorry. Dave Stevens. Dave Stevens. They wanted it to be can't be an, an old old style sure. and, and and period and, and like just really i think he said something about pre-war mugs you know mm-hmm. yeah and it totally makes sense because he does the opposite of those other movies you know robin hood and Indiana jones were like yeah it's in the past but we're gonna make it feel real and like very visceral and now almost right well they you know more modern filmmaking techniques applied to a period piece sort of you know to keep it exciting and fun and you know yeah use technology to your advantage without it being too you know you don't want to go overboard and then you get cgi craps fests like star right. wars prequels and bullshit like that i mean the, the effects in this are campy but i think it's a detriment for sure yeah unfortunately, it's, unfortunately. it's slow i felt like it slowly starts to drag because i thought in the beginning that i mean i was trying to give it a fair shake and i was like yeah this is fun it starts off you know, with the chase. Now, <laughs> why we have to like have the FBI agents be so silly and, you know, have quips every like, you're, you're ruining my shot. And, you know, they're just like mm-hmm. jawing each other at this. They're, they're very silly, you know, life and death situation. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, it's still fun. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you see where you're, where you're going with this whole movie. It's like, okay, we're going to have some fun with this. It's going to get a little silly here. But, mm-hmm. but at least it was fun for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, if I, I imagine, I mean, take this script, the script's not perfect, but it's serviceable and, and give it to Steven Spielberg today. What, what would that movie be like? Or I don't even know then. about today, but I was, or, but, or even then, but 30 you know, years ago, it would have been incredible. Yeah. And you know, this, my favorite scene in the whole movie is when he straps on the rocket and he saves the guy from the airplane. Hmm. The guy who takes his place as the clown. Mm-hmm. and yeah. he's all fucked up like that had some clever visuals and the way he works out you know flying with the rocket the, the jet pack and stuff and <laughs> it's just really well done and, and like it works for me that scene is sort of representative of what i wanted the whole movie to be and all and all the stuff with the zeppelin was so short i'm like that should have been that should have been amazing you know that 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 climax should have been just kick-ass amazing and it, it was <laughs> okay you know <laughs> he would just get popping out of the window like hey okay oh he's gone 
Yeah, yeah. You know, that's the, my biggest gripe is that there's not enough of him flying around. Mm-hmm. And when it is, other than the, the the rescue scene in the airplane, it's 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 very under underdone. You know, like it wasn't visually clever or, or as interesting as it could have been, you know? Yeah. Which is unfortunate because it could be so good. Well, I didn't, re- I mean, I didn't think about this until now, but right, until reading about it. That uh, then it doesn't count. <laughs> the comic book tie in stuff. Like, I mean, I know it's a, it feels like a comic book, but I didn't know it was literally, you know, dreamed up by this guy in the early 80s. And then it just immediately started throwing ideas for a movie around but Mm -hmm. it's funny you you mentioned the clown rescue scene because i think it says that's almost uh shot for shot from the comic book interesting yeah that i thought that was curious i'm like hmm so you know maybe it was just that 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 pull between the comic book you know the true nature or what they want what they wanted to see and what disney seemed to want to see which was you know bigger they want. They seem to increase the budget, um, and they they wanted. To, they thought you know they looked at the dailies, I guess, and thought, oh, this is going to be a bigger picture. And then they obviously wanted it family friendly and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that it suffers for that too. I mean, it's like you got these adult themes about love and work and in the FBI and the feds and stuff, and then you're just bringing it down to like, oh, we're just gonna smooch a bit. Or we're, or you know, like they're just they're, they're just so very naive, you know. Most of the characters are, are very naive. Mm-hmm. Seems suited for a Disney, or you know, less of a teenage audience, more of a you know, eight or nine year old audience. Mm-hmm. Right, that's the problem with it that I had because I've felt like that that I agree with you. Like script wise, like this thing should be a no brainer to produce as a movie. Like it's got all the right elements. But in the execution, they decided that we're going to throw in stuff to like nine-year-olds, like like this this Scooby-Doo villain, you know, monstrosity of a guy who picks up the main character and, put, you know, lifts him up and puts his head through the ceiling multiple times. You know, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. cartoon antics. But you didn't yeah. have to do that. You didn't have to do any cartoon and antics in this movie because it has all the right elements to just be a really fun adventure movie. Like, yeah. think about the Goonies. Like, cause that's to me, like what you're trying to have it be like just a really fun movie. You don't mm-hmm. have to do cartoon antics in the right. Goonies. You just do the Goonies because that mm-hmm. story and what they're going through is so fun that you don't need to try to put in hijinks. And this yeah. one, I felt like they're thrown in hijinks and at the expense of like having a character, you you know the character development that you are looking forward mm-hmm. having, you know. I think it just felt, for reference. No, go uh, ahead. Sorry. I, I felt like if this movie would have come out in 1980, and I saw it when I was six, I'd be like, "That's probably." It'd probably be like on my list of favorite movies. I'd be like, "Oh, right. I remember being you know a little kid sure, watching sure. this movie mm-hmm. and thinking it was great." And the way yeah. the effects were done and everything else, it would have all worked. But yeah. it failed in some ways the same way, uh, you know, the episode one failed. Like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, George Lucas is trying to appeal to everyone instead of yeah. one audience. I think it's it, I think it's interesting. Joe Johnson is a director. His sort of his filmography is sort of interesting. So this is his second film. And two years earlier, he did Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm-hmm. 
And I feel like he sort of used that sensibility in, uh, from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids to make The Rocketeer. But then after that, he worked on the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Uh, he made the Page Master, which I've never seen. And then he did Jumanji. Which Jumanji? The Robin the first one. The very first, first one, yeah. And then after that, he did October Sky, which is quite good. And then he did Jurassic Park yeah. 3 and Hidalgo, which are very adult, and The Wolfman. And then it's Captain America First Avenger. So I feel like early on, he just, he had, like, I didn't see the Page Master, but it looks like a doofy kids thing. So I wonder, I, I'm starting to think he, you know, he was evolving as a filmmaker and he started out cartoony and goofy for, strictly for kids. And unfortunately, The Rocketeer, you know, was his second film. If he'd have made The Rocketeer, you know, 10 years later, 10, 15 years later, let's say, or, you know, more in line with the Captain America or the Wolfman, like he, it would be a very different film, not just because of the technology differences, just because him as a filmmaker, I feel like he's, he was changing. Yeah, I totally see that. That's fair. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I mean, that's why he is still making movies because he didn't sure. keep making the Rocketeer. Right. And, and I don't mean to say that the Rocketeer is absolutely horrible or anything like that, but it's not enough to do a 10 movie career on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I've been reading the last, uh, what is it, a year or two, three years, last couple of years I've been reading about uh, uh, someone trying to get sort of a, a sequel slash soft reboot off the ground to this. Um, yeah. Which I would love to see, actually. Um, be very curious. Uh, I think in Wikipedia like, they mentioned the guy that did Devotion, which is another flying movie. I've never seen that. I didn't see it either, but. I think he may have pulled out of a, a reboot for Rocketeer because he'd just yeah. done that. I mean, with today's technology, the, the flying scene should be totally flawless, I would think. You know, I mean, I, I picture like if so, if a great director made it today, I picture something that's sort of like a cross between Indiana Jones and, and like Iron Man, you know, mm-hmm. which could be really, really interesting. I don't know. Can anyway. you really expect kids, though? I mean, I I I don't know what you should expect, but would kids having seen Iron Man come to life, would they be able to kind of downshift and just say, oh, here's a guy in a rocket? Sure. You know, I think it's very different. It's just a dude flying, you know, like. I think so. I actually would prefer it. Prefer what to what? You know, I I agree with going back suit. (laughs) No, I, but I think, uh, you know, and this and this is maybe partway why why um, why I auditioned to be on the show with you guys is that um, <laughs> <laughs> that that from a nostalgia fa- factor, you know, is is the is the um, the good simple fun of it. You know, that was that was the flaw of the most recent Indiana Jones is they tried to make it a giant action movie um, to compete with all the giant action movies instead of the simple fun of being an Indiana mm-hmm. Jones movie. Yeah. And and so I, I definitely think there there is room for that. And I don't think I, th- I think that maybe Hollywood studios are afraid to go back. Like if, if it's not a 10 year old or a 14 year old or 16 year old saving the entire world from extinction, 
you know, or some sort of other apocalyptic event. It, it, like, that's how the, the stakes just keep going up. But at some point, someone's mm-hmm. got to realize, like, hey, it's okay to just have a movie about a guy who finds a rocket packet and mm-hmm. gets into trouble <laughs> with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Sure. Because that, yeah. that was the fun of um, Chronicle. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They didn't, you know, the only people they fought were themselves ultimately at the end, you know? It, was, yeah. it, it wasn't... Right. The, like, you know, no giant menace came to Earth at the exact same time that these guys coincidentally get their powers like every other mm-hmm. movie. They just yeah. discovered what it was to have this. Yeah. And the consequences of having it. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. that's what this is, in a way. Yeah. Um, and then um, with a bunch of coincidences that happen. Yeah, it suffers from the coincidence, for sure. I was just going to say yeah. that. Because the, from the get-go, he's on an airfield... The FBI, you know, why did they, how did that chase come through the airfield in the first place? I mean, wasn't yeah. that, was that the first coincidence? Yeah. Well, and then the second, well, the, also him storming the cars and getting shot, you mm-hmm. know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, there was just one coincidence after another. Yeah. Yeah. That's but I, I do like, I do like the idea of like, um, I like the intrigue, of, you know, or not the intrigue, but like, um, again, I, I keep re- referencing Indiana Jones or Raiders of the Lost Ark because there's so many, there could be so many parallels where like in the Rocketeer, you know, Timothy Dalton is, is basically a Nazi, I guess, undercover as a very, very successful film actor. Like why, why, why be a Nazi? You know, mm-hmm. like you're rich and famous and powerful and you got this cool job, you make movies, you're like the number three star in the world. Why would you go back to being a Nazi? Anyway, that's that's just like a side <laughs> oh, thought. I, don't, I, I can be okay with that, but what I wasn't okay with was why would you go back to having a German accent when you've spoken per- perfect English the entire time? As soon as he got on the Zeppelin and he's like with his buddies. Oh, I mean, I don't like, think that's for a the fa- For the Fatherland. But, but oh. why, why, but why? <laughs> well, because it does require speak... some effort to speak without your natural accent. Maybe yeah, just but, he's a, but he's a, come on. He's done it in, I don't know. I don't know. It's Last a, time I was back in Wisconsin with Cohen, he's like, oh, you know. <laughs> got off the plane and all of a sudden, the accent's back. Whoop, there that, we was go. A, that was a pretty stellar <laughs> Wisconsin accent you just did there. Oh, you know. <laughs> Anyway, my point being, uh, a Rocketeer movie where he's, you know, basically trying to thwart Nazis who want the jetpack so they can win World War II, you know, is, is pretty compelling too. Where he's right. not really, he's not really trying to save the world, but he just sort of accidentally does. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. basically he's just trying to not get killed and like, I guess not let his love interest get killed or whatever, you know, and in doing so, he helps, you know, win the war or whatever, you know. Right. Or something to that effect, or at least prevents Nazis from uh, attaining this really sort of game changing technology or whatever. <sighs> hmm. Well, if you're making excuses here. Can you, uh, f- can you come up with one for the animated taking over of the world? Like, Oh my God. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> well, if you no. have a secret plan, you don't, you don't make a movie out of it. You don't make a cartoon movie. Make, that well, someone died to get painstakingly this. Painstakingly animated <laughs> frame after frame. There's, I mean, there's plenty of, 
plenty of propaganda films made. But it's supposed to be a secret plan. <laughs> well, how do you know it's? How do you know? How do you know it's a secret plan amongst the the Nazi party? Maybe someone made uh, it to sell it to their superiors and be like, "Look, this I is mean, how I'm going to win the war for you." I think it was like the Nazi flags and then them landing in Washington D.C. and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's propaganda. Well, if they hadn't shown us exactly where they were landing, that might have been a little more. Where? What do you mean? What else are they going to do? <laughs> No. Obviously, they're going to try and destroy the United States. I'm just saying, like, in Indiana Jones, the Nazis are a little more clever than that. Sure, they find, you know, Ravenwood, and they and they find the staff, and they and they do stuff, you know, and they just hire a bunch of people and scour the earth and, st- and shit. But they don't actually tell anybody their ultimate goal. People just have to figure it out. It's like, oh, well, they're the Nazis. They'll probably, you know, are trying to take over the world. But they don't actually come out and say it. That was actually a scene. There was an animated scene with the Ark of the Covenant that they cut for time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's a reason they cut it. <laughs> for time. They used a big old history, <laughs> dusty history book that yeah. Harrison Ford points at. It's like, oh, yeah, it looked legit. It was a big old book with a buckle on it. And... Yeah. <laughs> actually, I think it was the Bible <laughs> or something. I don't know. It, it was, yes. Okay. <laughs> anyway. But, yes, we were, we've discussed how this is... Not like that. <laughs> right. It, mu- I, I think it, it could be. Much, it should have been. It was been. too much fun for them to resist. They couldn't resist making that animated movie. Yeah. <laughs> you, could t- you could just see the glee. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, it's this fun. Look at this. There's an army of jetpack men. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Let's talk about the jetpack for a second. Sure. So, the ultimate goal is to recreate this jetpack. Mm-hmm. And the maker of this, Howard Hughes, mm-hmm. has destroyed his print, his blueprint. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, PV, Rocketeer's buddy, who's, a, who's quite good at this himself, starts making his own plans. Mm-hmm. And all this time, did anyone ever think about the plans versus just getting the one ro- rocket? Because they had to have to reverse engineer it themselves. And as far as I know, they don't have anybody that can do that. Okay. And also, if you're just trying to get the jetpack, why don't you just shoot the guy wearing the jetpack when he's on the ground right in front of you and take the jetpack off his dead body? <laughs> I guess for fear of, of shooting the jetpack jet and making yeah. it explode. I think that's legit. <laughs> I don't think so. There's plenty of spots you could have shot. <laughs> they didn't have the right caliber bullet. So they were yeah, I mean, it's 1938. Right They're not American sniper. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like this, the, the MacGuffin sure. of the whole movie is the jetpack itself. Yeah. But there's really not a big reason for us to find that jetpack. It's, it should be about Howard Hughes or somebody in you know, the scientists, like, you know, more like in real life about mm-hmm. Einstein or Oppenheimer or something, you know, like, right. That's, it's, that's what it should be about. Yes. So it's either just, dulled down or, so or both i mean if yeah, they know th- if they know there's a functioning jetpack they're gonna want it right if, for no other reason to prevent anyone else from reverse engineering right the one per- but you're right, right there's plans and they should want those plans unless they're just so good at mimicking something they could just recreate it you know an internally complex engine right i, I don't know through machinery well, or something unless yeah, there's a unless it turns out there's china and <laughs> yes well yeah yeah no i agree you're right it, it it's a silly kind of thing 
that could have been addressed. But he did. He destroyed the plans, though, didn't he? Yeah. Howard Hughes destroys, throws in the fire, mm-hmm. which kind of seals that end of it. But I mean, they're all looking, you know, the feds are looking for. Well, that's the, the thing, in, in, you know, in a, in, a, in, a, in a tightly written script, the plans get destroyed at the end of act one, mm-hmm. you know, and that is, that's, that's the catalyst for the rest of the movie. That's why everyone wants the jetpack now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're right. Or, you know, they don't even know there's a jetpack. Howard Hughes never told anyone. He just had the plans. And then they're like, oh. Mm. And then he destroys the plans, but then it turns out there is one he, he made or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's a way it could be addressed that it was not kind of clunky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is I true. I like the foreshadowing of the, of the chewing gum, though, the whole time. Yeah. It's <laughs> chewing gum on the plane. It's chewing gum on the jetpack. I don't know how Howard Hughes, he must have heard about this magical chewing gum. Because he gives him a pack of gum at the end. Don't yeah. fly without this. <laughs> I, and I was thinking about the the helmet with the rudder, which I guess is clever, but also like, you got to be able to turn your head to see. Mm-hmm. You can't just, <laughs> you, it's, you know, he says, look with your eyes, because when you turn your head, you're going to turn... Yeah. There's got to be a, a, a way to deal with that. And, you know, obviously the flames from the jetpack would burn his legs right off. Yes, yeah, but, not, you know. not acknowledged. Yeah, and that's fine. I don't think that matters. For me, that's just suspension of disbelief. Throwing a line about how there's flame retardant pants, you know, or whatever the hell. Right, right. Or, or just such direct force that it goes right between... His legs or something. Yeah, I just as troubling as like, what does it run on for fuel? I guess gasoline. Which how big of a tank could that? Oh, so how big of a tank could that little tiny thing be holding? They'd burn through it in seconds. (laughs) No, this film's not meant for that sort of analysis. I know. I mean, that doesn't really matter. Again, that doesn't matter. Um, I you know I was curious about the helmet though because Disney wanted like a chunky well somebody said nasa i guess um somebody at disney wanted a nasa helmet or or just something more spacey Mm -hmm. and they worked really hard to finally get back to the exact helmet that's in the the comic yeah i like the helmet i like the helmet i'm a fan of the helmet that retro thing that's i mean you know that sort of gives it a steampunk sensibility too Mm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, like, I, I love the costume completely, like, all of it. You know, I like the one scene where he, like, poses in front of the American flag with the gun, and he looks up at the Zeppelin. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty cool scene. That's a good shot, you know? Things like that. Yeah. What did you think of the uh, the the Fed and the Mafia guy kind of giving each other a look as they're shooting funny. at Nazis? <laughs> that's funny. I thought that was good. Yeah. He's like, I may not make an honest buck, but I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm an American. <laughs> yeah. I th- that little sense, that was the sort of humor and sensibility that the rest of the film needed. Yeah. You know, I agree. I hated, I hated the big burly dumb shit guy who looked like he's straight out of the Dick Tracy movie. Yep. I don't, there's no yeah. point for that. Like why, why even have that? Why have that one character who has this like clay face? 
who looks ridiculous. <laughs> Especially when you give him a line and he goes, the rocket. <laughs> right, right. He can't even move his fucking lips because he's, he's under so much prosthetics. <laughs> he just looks ridiculous. It doesn't work. Like, why do that? Just Can't you just cast a big dude if you need to? The guy could barely walk. <laughs> I guess he was... It, who was it? Tiny... Tiny something? I think he's a double up for us. Is he? Believe so. Tiny Ron Taylor. Tiny. That's very funny. How clever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's seven seven feet tall, but there's there's more than one seven foot tall person in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh yeah, he was the mountain in Roadhouse. I thought he looked oh. a little bit familiar. Yeah, he's a really oh, tall dude. Okay, Roadhouse. yeah. Wait, is that the guy? Yeah, who's the goofy the dancer. He's like, I love this guy. He's the bleeder, right? I don't think he's the bleeder. I think he's the. That was the other guy. He's like, sorry, boss. I don't. I don't he didn't care for his apology. He's the guy that's dan like when they're having the party at at what's his name's house, <laughs> and the big tall guy is dancing and and. Oh, he goes, yeah, yeah, I yeah. love this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. All right. You can see that. Yeah, I see. It. Yeah, okay. But yeah, how would you know under that makeup? Mm -hmm. Indeed. Uh, I I found it very... Uh, I did find it kind of terrible that Jennifer Connelly has absolutely nothing to uh, do in this movie. No. She is only there to be kidnapped. Yep. You know, and, and rescued. It's just like... It's such a disservice. <laughs> God. I yeah, her choices too. are questionable too. I mean, yeah, she. I mean, the whole thing, like, she gets fired and rehired, and then goes to the club, and she doesn't tell him. I guess she because she's kind of pissed because he did cause her to get fired for a second there. Mm -hmm. So she has she has reason to be pissed at him, but she has a weird way of showing that she loves him if she's you know just starstruck by this guy. I guess. She could be thinking about her career, of course, but it still doesn't make her look very good. None of it makes her look very good. Yeah, it was all just she's just all so trivial. All of the yeah. interactions with her are just so stereotypic. Yeah, and trivial. Yeah, it's unfortunate because she's she's a great actress and she deserves better. <laughs> <laughs> um. We've got more double ups like Paul Sorvino. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he's I, and I was impressed that you picked people after they um, they died. After they passed, you know, both mm -hmm. Alan and Arkin and Paul Sorvino mm -hmm. uh, passing in the last uh, twelve months, roughly. Yeah, we're getting the hang of this. <laughs> yeah, we're getting the hang of not killing people <laughs> with our podcast. What about uh, Clint Howard? He has a little cameo of South Seas or something. Um, I, I caught him because I was I had Ron Howard in the brain still. From the shootest? From the shootest. But I mean, his brother, Clint, is in lots of movies. and Sure. Uh, but just, didn't we have him before? Didn't we, haven't we seen him before? Clint Howard? Yeah. I don't know. In one, in one of our podcasts. Have we? Let's see. 
haven't done Tangoing Cash, thank goodness. Uh, we haven't Not yet. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> just egging them on. Just... Maybe not. Maybe we haven't done them. Okay. Yeah, maybe not. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're on... It's been quite well, a while since... Notable because it's our first Clint Howard appearance. Hmm. Um, Billy Campbell definitely has the look. Mm-hmm. It said that after he got his haircut to look just like the Rocketeer, yeah, that, that's when uh, I guess Joe Johnston kind of latched on him. He's like, "This is the guy." Oh, he said he auditioned Wells too, but he was just he just was sold on him. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the in the in the trivia about this, you know, it talks about how difficult it was to cast. Cliff Secord. Um, originally, they wanted um, Kevin Costner or Matthew Modine, um, but neither were available. Uh, mm. Emilio Estevez, Bill Paxton, Dennis Quaid, and of course Kurt Russell auditioned for the part. I say of course, of course Kurt Russell because I mean, really, <laughs> he should he should be in everything. Uh, Johnny Depp was Disney's favorite, um, and Bill Paxton once said he he was pretty close to getting it, but didn't. And Vincent D'Onofrio turned it down. Don't really see that. Whoa. But... No, that's weird. <laughs> he turned yeah. it down. Uh, okay. Yeah. Turned it down or was never considered? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I re- it says that Frank Darabont did some uncredited work on the screenplay. I'm like, well, what would this have been like if Frank Darabont mm. had written it? Yeah. You know, it would have been, could have been great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of back and forth. They had th- three rewrites before Disney even got, gave them the green light. So it seemed more like a too many cooks situation. Yeah. For, or maybe just, you know, they were trying to get back to the original vision, but Disney kept at, at you know, throwing stuff at them or pulling people off it. It, it was a, it sounded like a real hassle to, to get it made. Yeah, and it seems like you know every time we talk about a movie like that, that whether it's it's too a lot of production hell or changing writers or changing too many things, it usually you know strays from the original vision. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just um, going back to the casting issues, um, there there was another list of names who were considered to play Cliff. Includes Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Robin Williams, Mel Gibson, Harrison Ford, Ron Perlman, Michael J. Fox, and Tom Hanks. So pretty much everyone who was <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of those though, Alec Baldwin, I think, would have been. Uh, I think mm. he'd have been good. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Michael J. Fox, not so much. Ron Perlman, that's that's odd. I don't. That's see odd. That. Harrison Ford, maybe. Mel Gibson, maybe. Michael Keaton, in retrospect, probably, yeah. Well, what I was going to say about our Billy Campbell mm-hmm. is that, yeah, he has a great look. He's pretty affable. He's not bad. But there's not, like, there was no point in which I said, wow, he's really he's really got something. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. He's, like, his performance is a little flat. He comes out his, of the his first G-Wiz giant... bullshit is just like... G- yeah. I mean, and, and some of it's the writing. You know, like, you know, he does mm-hmm. this major... Uh, he's skipping across the lake, and he crashes, and they... PV finds him and he goes, I like it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so that part of that's just a bad line, but it like, could have been could delivered have done... better. Should have been like, oh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's an inside joke, listeners. That's that goes way back. Um, <laughs> we'll explain it some other time. I like it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, he could have he could have put some personality in, into the character. Yeah, sure. You know, somehow. Well, it's yeah. like it's like picturing a young Harrison Ford who can do that sort of doofiness for a minute and then turn around and, and be like, all right, now I got to go rescue this chick and be, and be badass. Like there's mm-hmm. not a lot of actors who are as good or that good at it the way Harrison Ford was or is, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. As far as charismatic yeah. people go, he's, he's at near the top of the list. Yeah. Really and it must that. be said that even Alan Arkin didn't stand out in what he was, you know, what he, had. he didn't, he wasn't his I normal thought, Alan Arkin self. Yeah, I thought he was good. Like, I thought he was sort of a, uh, you know, he was a bright spot just because it's Alan Arkin and I love him. But I feel like him and Billy Campbell didn't really have much chemistry. Agreed. Mm-hmm. You know, especially after, uh, speaking of Alan Arkin, you, you, if you guys have seen the um, the Kaminsky method. I have on, now. Let's keep on, going on about it. <laughs> on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix, right? Um, I think so. Like Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin have amazing chemistry. You know, and it's just, and it's that weird nebulous and tangible thing. Chemistry is a weird thing. Some people have it, some people don't. And, and mm-hmm. when it's there, it's just like, you know, it, it's lightning in a bottle. It's, 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 it's fireworks. But when it's not, it's just like, bleh. yeah. And you now know, that you say just, that, it I, just sinks it. Yeah. Alan Arkin and most things he's really good at, he's playing off of somebody, you know, mm-hmm. we, we did him in, um, like with, uh, what the hell is his name? John Cusack in in the yeah uh, Gross Point Blank, you know, it was like yeah. he he they played off each other well, or mm-hmm. everything he does, you know, or like everybody in Glengarry Glen Ross. Yeah, right. So, okay, so since you're the one who who went to film school, yeah, is that a product of good writing? Chemistry. Like, do you need? Do you need good? Can you have? Like I know you can have you can have chemistry and still be delivering mediocre lines but i mean don't you think that having really strong writing would help people understand or create the character and have that chemistry i mean i think i think it can help but i don't think it can it can create it you know wouldn't you see like a table read or rehearsal or something yeah there sure i mean that's why the people that's why people they audition and they do they they do table reads but they also they do scenes with you know you know, whoever's cast, like the lead, you know, they cast the lead. So they bring in sporting characters to read with them so they can see if they have any damn chemistry. But yeah, I mean, good writing is going to foster that more than bad writing, but good writing is not going to create it out of thin air. If they don't have it, they don't have it. Well, I, I guess the, the question is, is if he's capable of it in other movies, is he not capable of it in this movie because of Billy Campbell? Or because well, that's what I, that's what everybody's I mean, you just can, kind you, of... You can say that, but I don't think not being... I don't think I don't think not being a good or great actor will means you can't have chemistry with other actors. Because there are plenty of actors, like Keanu Reeves, who is one of the most likable actors out there. But, you know, he's gotten much better, but in his youth was not a very good actor. But him and Alex Winter had really great chemistry. 
You know, they played off each other well. If that's yeah. an example that's helpful, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what you mean, but uh, oh, oh yeah, Bell and Ted. I'm like, oh, yeah. sorry, Bell yeah, Bell and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> yeah, of course. It took me a while to get um, there. No, yeah, I think it's I just mean, it's, it's, just, it's, it's it's just like a thing. It's like a thing you can't you can't define. You can't you can't create. You can't define it, or you can define it, I suppose. But you can't create it. And you can't you can't teach it, and you can't really you can't anticipate it, or you can't see, know without seeing it. Yeah. See, that's you what I suspect. But you won't know until you put two people together and let them go and see. Right. So you so even though the the, the movie industry's been trying to essentially capture this or wish they had it every time sure it's, it's just as random as sitting down on a plane next to a stranger and having a great conversation and yeah. a flight that flies by sure literally and yeah. uh versus versus not i mean i will i i you know my personal opinion is that if you take two people who are great actors you're probably increasing the odds of them having good chemistry than if you take two people who are total dog shit actors you know or, or, or there's a there's greater chance I'm not having chemistry because I think talent sort of plays into it, but it's not all of it. It's just, you know it's just part of it. Right. It's just a weird thing. It's like it's just a strange thing, you know. And it's why casting is so important, and why they auditioning the audition process can take so long. And they don't always get it right, you know. Like Eric Stoltz and Back to the Future, things like that, you know. Or What's wrong with Eric Stoltz? <laughs> His sensibilities were terrible, and he wasn't funny. <laughs> Sorry, so, Eric. I mean, that's what that's what, I mean. That's what Robert Zemeckis said. Or <laughs> no, he, he just said easily, like weird. he was he was he was making a different movie. You know, like he was too serious. He was making a he was making a drama, and everyone else was making a comedy. How when did they pull him out and get Michael J. Fox? They shot for like a month or something crazy really? like that. Yeah, for like three weeks or something. You you can see footage online. You can look it up. You'll see scenes with Eric Stoltz, <laughs> exactly the same as what's in the finished movie. Just Eric Stoltz instead of Michael J. Fox. I should check that out. <laughs> All right. Well, we're talking casting and stuff. There's also Ed Lauder, the FBI guy who mm -hmm. was in Family Plot, so he's a quick double up. Mm -hmm. Timothy Dalton. I don't think we've done, but it's. What's interesting to me is that he's playing James Bond at the same time he's doing this villain character. Yeah. I like him as this villain. I do too. I, yeah. Know, aside from fun the, to watch. He aside from the accent that... stuff, I thought he was really good. I think he, he had just, a little he has bit such of... An, he has such an interesting look about him too. Like he really looks like a 1930s swashbuckling actor. Yeah. <laughs> I think he had some of that Kevin Klein sensibility in his mm -hmm. acting. <laughs> yeah. and it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then, did you guys I, notice the singer at the at the club, South Seas Club? You know, the shell opens up. There's yes. Did, like, did she look familiar to you? Oh well, yeah, I, that's Jan from the Office. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I ended up looking her up. I was I was looking at her. We were watching in the. I was watching my wife, and I and she came on, and I was like, "Oh shit, who's that? Who is that?" And my wife's like, "That's Jan from the Office." Right. It's like, holy shit, it is so weird. And then if you look, I was looking for her in the credits, she's not there, but she is down in the music section because she did sing that song. Sing those oh, yeah? Songs. Yeah. So she wasn't just there for her looks. She was there as a performer. Hmm. Which I, I was very impressed with. I'm like, wow. So you really, 
you know, just dubbed to yourself there. Hmm. I don't know. It's weird. I, I think chemistry is, I mean, I always think of it, you think of it like in terms of romantic stuff or buddy movies, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, sometimes it's the villain. Like I was thinking of like yeah. um, Robin Williams with not so much Forrest Whitaker, but um, well, who's the, the, the doofus in that movie? From City movie? Slickers, um, in, sorry, in, in uh, Good Morning America, his sort of nemesis and that oh, he's always oh, bugging yeah. him. Like oh, they yeah. have chemistry. Yeah, sure. You know, as the guy from yeah City Slickers. What's yeah. his name? Oh, Bruno Kirby. Bruno Kirby. Yes, thank sure. You. Yeah. So you can have chemistry with somebody you don't have a, a lot of scenes with, but like, sure. That, like that made it sparkle. You know that those right. the dynamic between those two was great. Yeah, I think you know when you look at the the, the chemistry or lack thereof between Alan Arkin and Billy Campbell, I can't help but think about the like the amazing chemistry between Christopher Lloyd and Michael J. Fox. And Back to mm-hmm. the Future, which their relationship is very similar, sort of a you know a fatherly mentormenty kind of thing, right? And it's just not it's just not very good in the Rocketeer. It's like it's okay, like it's not the worst I've ever seen. I suppose it's not totally dead. It's just like there's the the energy's off, you know? Yeah, it's and I can't believe right. I'm I'm coming around to start to defend this movie, but I'm I'm <laughs> definitely aware that they wanted those lines to be almost hokey you know yeah old-timey yeah you know rah, rah, you know like like the whole movie's like that the whole movie yeah. is like sort of a inside joke mm-hmm. and when it when it's when it works it's fun when it doesn't work it's just like what what the heck are they doing mm-hmm. so yeah i think i really uh, uh i would if, if if i found out they were actually making a like a, a a soft reboot or a sequel or whatever you want to call it i would i would be pretty excited about it um i mean unless michael bay was directing it or some dog shit like that and then i'm like oh, fuck. Oh, that's too bad <laughs> but i don't know i don't know mike michael bay is um as much as you hate him i, I think he he earned his own pass why you, because he, people criticized him for making the movies he did, and he said, "I'm making movies for 13 year old boys. That's it." Yeah. And then, then it, once he, if he acknowledges it and does it, then that's it. Yeah, I guess you're like, all right. I guess I'm not a 13 year old boy, so you're doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, but do you want Michael Jordan or your favorite athlete to say, "Well, I'm really doing this just to make a lot of money." Not because I like the game or because I'm good at it. Or he didn't say that. He said he's making movies for 13 year old boys. Yes, but he's, I don't know but how he, much he money his... they all make. <laughs> a lot. Michael, I Bay? think it's un- I think it's unfortunate that he. I, I, think, I just think it's unfortunate he can't make movies that appeal to 13 year old boys and adults. Because yes, yeah. some filmmakers can. can. Mm-hmm. Right, and so it's unfortunate. It's, unfor- it's unfortunate that I think no, he's not trying. He's not, I don't think he's trying at all because I think in his in his mind, in his heart, and you know his maturity level, he is a thirteen year old boy. Yeah, you know, so he's making movies for him. Uh, I can relate to that, and that's fine, I suppose. But I just think it's too bad that he had to like take a shit on the Transformers. You know, that could have been good. Yeah. Don't worry, they'll keep making them. It certainly seems like it. <laughs> he didn't make the latest one, though. No, he didn't. I don't know who did, but 
he didn't. I mean, for, <laughs> so, all, know, for, all were... the, for all the shit I just spoke about Michael Bay, I will say that Armageddon is a huge guilty pleasure. Like, I love watching <laughs> Armageddon. And The Rock. Oh, wait, did he, yeah. wait, did he direct wait. Armageddon? He did, didn't he? I don't. I don't. I don't. I thought you were going to say care. I was thinking <laughs> that kind of, but I thought it seemed harsh. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, Bartender. <laughs> Wait, did he direct Armageddon? I got to look at it. All right, while you're looking that up, you know they were making this just a, to be a trilogy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. The they were plan was like- a trilogy. Like Indiana Jones. Yeah, he did direct Marmageddon. And about 15 years ago, they they auctioned off some of the storyboards for future, the future um, movies. Hmm. They they sat around for ages, I guess, and and they ended up selling them. But yeah, I, he does he does make up movies that pe- a lot of people like. You know, he starts with Bad Boys. Going back to Michael Bay here, as director. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, and The Rock and Armageddon, yeah, Pearl Harbor, eh. um, but people still like Bad Boys Two for some reason. No, it's terrible. And then he gets, yeah, then he gets into Transformers, and it just seems to dominate his his life. But yeah, yeah, I mean, people love Bad Boys. Yeah, the first one's okay. I don't know if he's more responsible for the. I mean, I assume because he's a big action director, he's you know he was more responsible for the stunts and the big scope of it and all the action stuff more than just finding fun, two funny people to be in a, in a mm-hmm. movie like that, you know? Yeah. But he also probably knows how to work with others and collaborate and, you know, to some, to some extent. Why do I keep defending Cohen's crap? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What is wrong with me today? <sighs> it's fine. I think it's, yeah, it's great. My temperature. <laughs> you got some COVID yeah. variant. <laughs> Alright, but going back to our our movie. The like I Cohen, you said the Zeppelin thing or the you know, the mm-hmm. the sort of big set piece at the end could have been better. Sure. And I it just kind of fell I flat. It kind of fell flat. Howard Hughes shows up in some weird helicopter thing. Yeah, they grab a they grab a ladder. Gyrocopter, gyrocopter. Ooh, obviously. But I mean, they did just like what, the first time we see the Zeppelin thing. It, it's like they they're like, oh, watch your one stray bullet, the whole thing will go up, and then we proceed to get on that thing, and there's a firefight in every scene. Yeah, they're shooting everywhere. Yeah. So no one hits it. And then when it finally does blow up, it blows up pretty darn slow. <laughs> and they run the entire they length of that it. thing. They outrun it. Yep. And big uh, chompers, whatever his name, you know, the big chompers. glue is too slow. Jaws. <laughs> Jaws. No, he's, yeah, he's, he's Jaws. tied down. He's not too slow. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's tied down. He's, okay. he's anchored to it. But that was, that was the difference in life or death. Mm-hmm. He couldn't outrun an explosion. No one can run an out explosion. Come on. Oh, come on. Outrunning explosions is part of action movies. I since guess. They've been making explosions. 
<laughs> Since they've been making explosions. It's yeah. true. Before they, they even every, have cameras. They every <laughs> fuel truck gets hit in this movie. And it's like, oh, fuel truck. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that scene in uh, Top Secret when the Pinto screeches to a halt. And then the bumpers go, ding. <laughs> explodes. <laughs> I still one. think of that scene. <laughs> it's great. It's a good it's scene. It's awesome. It's a good movie. That <laughs> uh, kills me. Uh, poor Ford. Oh, that's what they get. They didn't, you know, they're not sponsoring us, so we get to rip on them. Yeah, that's right. Should have renewed that contract. We count out to no one, especially since there's not anyone out there anyway. <laughs> no, that's not true. So, is there anything uh, memorable, memorable, remarkable? Uh, about the music in this, I don't. I, I, don't really, I thought uh, it was. I thought James it was good, Corman. right? It was a decent score. It was, and I thought they were really trying to make it be like a Indiana Jones in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, James yeah. Warner, I guess, is pretty, pretty well pretty known. Solid. Yeah, yeah. He's done some stuff. He's yeah, won like some. What? He's won some awards. He did Titanic, I think, or something, or Avatar. I think he's done um, a bunch of James Cameron. Shit. Yeah, is, is that right? Yeah, he's done. Know. He's done plenty of stuff. He did Beautiful Mind. Doesn't that have Jennifer oh, Connelly? That also has Jennifer Connelly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does that fucking movie? Well, uh, you don't like that movie? No, <laughs> I do not. Hmm, is that I, in our wheelhouse? I ate dinner with that guy. You what? Oh yeah, yeah. I was in Rome with John Nash. Yeah. I was huh. in Rome with Vivian, and we were setting up an art exhibit at this um, at this mathematics festival. And uh, the people who were running it said, "Oh, we're gonna we're having a dinner for the presenters tonight. Do you guys want to come? There's a there's some Americans there." I'm like, sure. So we show up, and there are three Nobel Prize winners there, and they're like, "You can go sit over at that table. They're from the U.S. too." And uh, <laughs> We sit down and it's John Nash, his wife, and his son. And I swear to God, Russell Crowe did not have to act. All he had to do was meet this guy's son, who was also schizophrenic and mm-hmm. was exactly him. So John Sr. was a burnt out schizophrenic, so he's pretty quiet with John the whole time. Yeah. His son was exactly what Russell Crowe was. Yeah. Um, hmm. Scribbling in a notebook, working on a numbers theory, uh, wearing a winter coat inside the restaurant, not taking it off. Would get up, walk outside, smoke a cigarette, come back in. Decided one time that he's going out to just reach on someone else's table and take the bread out of their bread basket. And the people are just like, they weren't even part of our group or anything. They're like looking at him like he's crazy, Um, which he was, I guess, a little bit. Um, Yeah, it was after that dinner, I was like, holy cow, like that that was the character study right there <laughs> yeah anyway he died a few a couple years ago yeah be that as it may cohen does not like this movie i do not <laughs> i find it infuriating and it's heavy-handedness because it's a Ron Howard movie. I was just going to say, it's uh, a Ron Howard movie. Of course. There we go. And his characters never have a thought they don't verbally say out loud ever in all of his movies. And it drives me nuts. Hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, I keep telling you to watch Rush, but I have a feeling that that observation might also hold true in that movie. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of talking about what's going on. It's, it happens. But I like that movie. I do too. Uh, Rush. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I I would see that. I I'm not. I'm not dis- I, I'm interested. I just uh, gotta find time to watch. I gotta watch all these friggin' movies that we talk about. <laughs> oh, we can't even watch *A Beautiful Mind*. It's two thousand one. Oh, I oh shuckles! <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Should we talk about what we're doing next? Yeah, I'm dying to know. Okay. Um. Well, let's see. We've done seventies, nineties. So you know, it's just to, to the eighties. We've got to go to the eighties. We, we haven't done anything from the eighties yet. Yeah, we I never do eighties, so. yeah. <laughs> yeah. especially like the latter half of the eighties. We never do that. Yeah. Like never okay, nineteen eighty-eight. Well, I. It's funny because I had two choices here, and one the first one was nineteen eighty-eight, but I was just thinking we do that all the time. So I'm going to go nineteen eighty-five. Hmm. Oh. And I was going to do a slam dunk comedy i'm gonna do more of a drama comedy. like a, like white man can't jump no wait that's not it um if i tell you anybody in it Soul or man. the director you will know exactly what, what it is this is this is a big one people this is a big comedy from 1985 yeah but it's drama as well oh dramedy um if i a give drama. you the setting it probably will give no, it away just, just hold on a second okay all right all right brains ticking <laughs> it's the drama part that's throwing me yeah. Uh, okay. How about how about? Um, does it have Dustin Hoffman in it? It does not. Although that was another. Wow, you're on fire right now. That was my third pick. Was it Dustin Hoffman? I was gonna pick. I was gonna guess Rain Man. That's okay. not 1985 though. It's not. No. It's 88, I think. Son of a bitch. All right. Well, it's uh, um, it's for it's 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 targeted at younger viewers. Let's put it that way. Okay. John Hughes. It is John Hughes. Oh, oh sure. boy. Is it Claire's a fat girl's name? The Breakfast Club. It is Claire's a fat girl's ding, name. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> I can't meet anyone named Claire without that line popping in my head. <laughs> Answer the question, Claire. Uh, yes. We're going to re- revisit The Breakfast Club. That's a classic. It's a good yeah, one. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a slam dunk, but... What the hell? What are you going to do? It's also, yeah, I mean, it's the drama, John Hughes. So it's more of my, my wheelhouse, I guess, if you want to say that. Mm-hmm. I don't it's know. everybody's wheelhouse. It's, everybody loves it. I mean, who, although that's the, whole, we will, that's the whole point of the movie. We will talk all, about we're someone. We're all who, alike. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's not. Is that that? All right, we'll get to it. <laughs> it's not quite the point. Yeah. It'll, it'll I mean, be do fun you, to watch Do you remember his, his, his essay? I sure end? do. All you right. see us as you want to see us. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about it. That's All right. the yeah. Get the that's... We'll get into it. Yeah. Maybe have some breakfast. All right. <laughs> Remind me to. We need to discuss if that's the beginning of the generation X. Ooh. Okay. Oh, okay. Let me write that down. Uh, it Identity. is available on Netflix. Nice and easy. Sweet. Cool. I think this X. this movie has rocketed past our other reviews to Ooh, become well our best one yet. It is our top tier. 
review. <laughs> Since you said rocketed, and I said tear, rocketeer. Thank you for explaining. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you have to wear a helmet that has your rudder on it, why okay. wouldn't the eyepiece be one giant thing so you can at least look sideways with your eyes? Sure. Why would it oh, just be narrow? Valid. I was thinking about when he was in the first plane, and he they strap him in there, and he's got a big windshield in front of him, and then he puts his goggles on. I'm like, why does he need his goggles? And then sure enough, oil, you know, the the canopy mm-hmm. breaks and oil flies in his face. And I was like, oh, good thing he's got those goggles. Yeah. So. Duh. That's why you have on. Safety <laughs> first. Yeah. Yeah. Good, right. good, good catch, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very valid point. I was over it, but Sam st- kept going. So, oh yeah, his fault. <laughs> his fault. <laughs> All right, that's enough movie buff. I'm out. All right. Well, we'll see you next time. Be part of the club. Bye. You're shoving off like an ocean liner.